Thanks, Pastor Paul. Um, before I get to the preaching, I actually forgot to give you another announcement, Pastor Paul. Uh, if you are interested in getting involved in the cleaning team in our church, cleaning team in our church, uh, we've been paying people to come in and clean. Um, but if you feel that's part of your calling to be involved in the upkeep in terms of cleaning the church, please come and talk to me after church so that we can make a plan to create access and uh, a let out point for you uh, in what God has called you to do. Amen. There's a bit of echo, but I'll continue talking until it's sorted. All right. Great, let's pray for the word. Father, we thank you this morning for the preaching of your word. We thank you for the entrance of your word. Uh, it brings understanding to those of a simple heart. And we are so grateful that you've honored us today to come into your presence and to eat from your table. We pray that your word will change us. Let it not just be information, but Lord, we pray for transformation this morning. Change us inside out, Lord. So whatever happens inside, we pray that we we'll see it outside of our lives and for people to see your goodness through us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Another announcement pertains to Ignite this Friday. What's happening this Friday? Ignite. Ignite. I want to encourage each and every one of us who hasn't come to our Ignite. This is our extended time of prayer and worship. And it's also our day of fasting this week. So instead of fasting on the Tuesday, we'll be fasting on the Friday. We start at 7.30 until late, until whenever we feel we have done what God wanted us to do for that night. So I encourage you, please make an appointment, 7.30. Uh, we start that wonderful time where we get equipped and stuff happens in that moment of corporate prayer. Amen. Amen. Right, I'm excited this morning that I'm going to be speaking to leaders Pastor Paul took us through a very, very powerful session this past three weeks where he was teaching us through the Word of God how we can rise to our next level of leadership. Amen. Amen. And I'd like to believe that based on what the pastor was teaching us, each one of us here have come to realize that we are all leaders in our own right. Because one of the things that the pastor mentioned was leadership is influence. Leadership is function, not just position. There are people who are leaders... But they don't have positions. And there are people who have positions, but they're not leaders. That is why we struggle sometimes in our teams, because you have a positional leader who doesn't know how to lead a team. Have you been there before? Where you feel like, I'm battling to follow this guy, because I don't know where I'm going, I don't know what's happening next week. He springs up surprises. But today I'm excited because each one of us are leaders in our own right. Whether you're a mom or you're a dad, you're a leader because you're influencing the next generation. Yes. Your children will basically reflect your leadership style. Have you been to places where you see kids or to teachers, uh, teachers in school, they look at certain kids and they wonder, is this child coming from a place where there's mom and dad? I would love to see their mom and dad, whether in the positive or in the negative. So this morning, I believe the Lord wants to minister and speak to us. And I want to share with you, I've entitled my message, A Fruit-Bearing Leader. A Fruit-Bearing Leader is our title of the message this morning. It is important for us to understand that there are two types of leaders. There are leaders who bear fruit, and there are leaders who don't bear fruit. You can answer that question silently. I'm not going to ask you to, to raise your hand. 
whether you are a fruit-bearing leader or not. How do you know that you are a fruit-bearing leader? You look at what is happening around you. You look at the way people are growing around you. Have you been given a team? And how is that team faring on? Is a team that has been given to you in a better state than it was before you took over or the team has deteriorated? The children that God has given you as they grow from year to year, are they becoming more mature in the Lord or they're becoming more mature and playing video games than they are in the Lord? Ouch. The question this morning that you as a mom and dad need to answer is who is parenting your kids? Is it the television or is you? It is very easy for us when we get home, we want to spend time with our husbands and wives, we chuck them into the TV room. But the kids are saying, mom and dad, you've been away for the whole day. I want to spend time with you. The question is, are you a fruit-bearing leader or not? I want you to understand that the issue of bearing fruit is a warfare by itself. It is a warfare because the devil is is interested in you and I being barren. The devil doesn't want us to bear fruit because he understands the danger that comes with bearing fruit. Now, many of us don't understand how important the bearing of fruit is. Now, look at this here, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I need you to understand that bearing of fruit is a warfare by itself. It doesn't happen by itself. In some lingo, they say it doesn't do dagger. <laughs> it doesn't do by itself. It is an action that you need to take as an individual and say, I refuse to be barren. I need you to realize that it is a difficult thing to be barren in the physical. But how much more it is a big issue in the spirit. Because the spiritual realm is more real than what you see in the natural. Glory be to God. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, the Bible says, This was after Adam and Eve had missed the mark and they sinned. And the Lord was busy passing judgment between the, the devil and the woman and the humanity. The Bible says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. That is between you, the serpent, the devil, and the woman. Take note, the enmity started off between the serpent and the woman. And between your offspring and hers. Colin, he will crush your head. The fruit of the woman, the seed of the woman shall crush your head. And you will strike his heel. I want you to see where the battlefield is. I want you to see who is fighting the most battles. It was between the seed of the woman and the seed of the enemy. So the moment you bear much fruit, you you extend your ability to fight. When you bear fruit, your influence goes beyond your local location, your location right now. You see, the ability to bear fruit extends your influence into generations and into places where you'll never be in the physical state. That is why the devil wants you to be barren in your spirit man. As a leader, he doesn't want your influence to be felt to the extent where fruit is seen. Why am I saying this? Psalms 127 verse 4. The Bible says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. The Bible is equating children to arrows. 
You see, when you have an arrow, you can shoot the arrow as far as you can based on your strength and you'll go to places where you are not. Glory be to God. So the Bible equates children to arrows. So when you bear fruit, you have arrows in your quiver that enables you to achieve much in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. So this morning I want to ask you, how fruitful have you been? The writer here says, blessed is the man who has many of these arrows in his his quiver. In other words, blessed is the man who is fruitful. The Bible says the children of this man will not be ashamed when he stands on the gate and he contends for his place. You see, when the Bible says these children shall contend with the enemy at the gate, it's simply talking about kingdom powers that these children are able to fight and say, this belongs to the kingdom of God. There are people who understand their territory. That is the power that comes with being fruitful. Now, a healthy leader is able to bear fruit through his team. But a healthy leader will only be able to bear fruit through his team, but when he has been able to bear fruit by himself as an individual. You see, what you don't have, you cannot give. You see, if it doesn't work inside of you, do not export it. Glory be to God. Our previous pastor in Cape Town, he used to have this statement. He would say, if this thing doesn't work in the bedroom, do not export it. He says, if your marriage is not functional, do not export it. Because in the absence of marriage, when you are married, there is no ministry. You see, we need to be able to see your family functioning well before we can trust you to lead us in church. That is why the Bible says an elder or a bishop has to be able to manage his own family first. The affairs of his home has to be in order. Glory be to God. That's why I'm talking about being fruitful. Before I expect to see fruit in your team, I look at you as an individual. Is there fruit? That's why the Bible says do not make novices to be leaders. They need to be tested first to prove whether there is an ability to bear fruit or not. Glory be to God. Amen. Another thing that I want you to understand this morning is fruitfulness is key in the kingdom of God to such an extent that God views it in a serious way. You see, fruitfulness will determine whether you live long in what God has called you or you die a natural death. John chapter 15 verse 1. The Bible says, I am the true vine and my father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears no fruit is useless in the vine. Every child of God who doesn't bear fruit is useless in the kingdom. The reason why the enemy hasn't fought some of us is because we have no impact in his kingdom. Ouch. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Now, the person who bears fruit, there's stuff that happens to him in order for him to bear much fruit. The person who doesn't bear fruit, there's stuff that happens to him in order to kill him. That sounds a bit harsh. Because the Bible says the one who doesn't bear much, even the little that he has will be taken away from him. This morning, are you a fruit-bearing leader? You see, the longevity and the promotion of a leader is determined by how fruitful he is. Your ability to remain a leader in a position is driven by whether people are seeing fruit 
More so whether God sees fruit or not. Do you know that you can be taken out of leadership either by being kept in the same place for too long or by being demoted? I'm going to repeat that. Sometimes you see yourself in the same position for a long time. Could it be it's a way of God telling me that you're good, you're not good enough? You are not ready for your next level of promotion. The Bible says when you are faithful with a little, I will make you a manager of abundance. It means when you're fruitful with a little, behind the doors, you're doing very well with your small group, group, the Lord will say, you've been faithful behind the doors. Now it is time to expose you. That's right. Glory be to God. Yes. You see, many of us are waiting for the day that we can preach in stadium. But we're doing nothing about preaching to our neighbor next door to us. Come on. If you're waiting for a time of stadia, it will not come Amen. until you're preached even to your dog at home. <laughs> Do you know that sometimes you need to preach yourself in the mirror? As if there are people right in front of you and you preach messages that God has put inside of you. That's right. When God sees you being faithful by yourself, he will promote you before men. The Bible says the one who hears in the secret will promote you publicly. So when you hear, when you pray in secret, it's not in secret in reality because God sees. When God sees, it's actually in the public. You see, being a busy body doesn't equate to being fruitful. In Hauteng, we are very busy. That is why even the way we drive, we are very fast. We are always behind time. We are always chasing after the clock. And you ask somebody at the end of the day, what have you done? They can't tell you. Have you been there before? You feel there's been so busy in this season. But you look behind you, there's no fruit whatsoever. People try to make appointments with you, you tell them it's hectic. I'm busy. And they ask you, what are you busy with? I am busy. It is so busy. Tell me, what are you busy with? You can't tell me. Huh? So being a busy body doesn't equate to being fruitful. Now you need to realize that those who are fruitful, there are levels of fruitfulness. Come on. There are levels in these things. There's fruitfulness and there's fruitfulness. Hallelujah. I don't know where you're at this morning. Matthew chapter 13 verse 23. The Bible says, The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even a hundred times as much as had been planted. These people have had the same word and the soil is of the same condition, but there's different levels of productivity. That is why we hear the same word, but people have different results from the very same word. This morning, I want you to understand that the the 30-folder and the 60-folder, there are some things that are done differently. You see, if you are a 30-fold producer and you aspire to be a 60-fold producer, go and look at what the 60-fold producer is doing and Very do good. the same, you'll get the same results. Very good. Hallelujah. Yes. So the different push proportions of fruitfulness produced just reveal to us their levels in being fruitful. Now this morning we're going to explore a leader in the New Testament, a leader during the early church who was a fruitful leader. We're going to learn from this deacon by the name of Philip. Philip was one of the deacons who were ordained in chapter five, uh, chapter 6 of, of Acts. 
When there were issues in the church of Jerusalem, they said, let's appoint men who are full of wisdom, full of the Spirit of God, to oversee the mending of tables. So you knew, you'd realize that Philip was a leader who was full of the Spirit of God. He was a leader who was full of wisdom. Now I want to put a, just a, a full stop there. Do you know that being filled with the Spirit of God doesn't equate to being fruitful? Because you can be filled with the Spirit of God and you do, you do not know the art of tapping into what the Spirit has and you're not as productive. Because you can hear the word, unless you know how to work the word, it will not produce as much fruit as you want it. That's right. So, at a certain time, Jerusalem was hit by persecution. The Roman Empire was after the church in Jerusalem. And as a result of the persecution, the most leaders in that moment, they dispersed over other regions. They went to Samaria, into Judea. It was only the apostles that were based in Jerusalem, but the other leaders were moving into different regions and they were preaching the word. Now Philip was fruitful in Jerusalem. He went into a region called Samaria and in that region, the Bible says Philip preached to crowds and they came to the Lord. So Philip was very fruitful in Samaria. Now we're catching up with Philip now in, verse, in chapter 8, verse 26. Remember, there are levels of fruitfulness. This morning, if you are to move to your next level of fruitfulness, there are things that you need to do. And this particular leader is going to show us a few principles that we can explore and apply in our lives. And we are bound to get more results. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 8 verse 26. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. It's a different version that is on the, on the screen there. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandek, uh, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. You see, it is very important for us to understand that in as much as Philip was productive in Samaria, in the mind of God, he wanted Philip to go to his next level. God wanted Philip to go to his next level of being fruitfulness. Now, in the mind of God, there was a man whom he believed it was time for him to come to the knowledge of Jesus. Now, I want you to understand that in order for you to bear much fruit, number one, you need to get involved with what God is doing. For you to bear much fruit, for you to move from a place where you're not bearing any fruit as a leader, as an individual, to a place where you're producing fruit, you need to ask yourself, where is the hand of God? Where is the grace of God in this season? What is the Lord doing in my life? Because on God's timetable, it was time for the gospel to reach Ethiopia. There was no better way of reaching Ethiopia than touching a man of authority. Because the Bible said the eunuch was a man of great authority. He was working in the palace or in the, he was working for the queen. Now if you want to touch a nation, touch the leaders of the nation. If you want to touch a family, touch the father and the mother. Hallelujah. So in the mind of God, he was saying to Philip, 
all along you've been operating in the paradigm of adding. Now I want to shift you into the paradigm of multiplication. Do you know that there's a difference in multiplication and addition? Though you come to the same answer, but the amount of time you take when you're adding is way longer than the amount of time you take multiplying. That's right. Three to the power two is three times three, right? Nine to the power three is nine times nine times nine. But if you start adding, you'll get to the same answer, but it takes you longer. I believe the Lord wants to shift our fruitfulness to a place where we become multiplying individuals. Yes. Now, God was saying, yes, you've been talking to crowds, but I want you to talk to nations. I want you to transform a nation. And there's only way, one way you can do it. There's a man of authority that I've set aside to ensure that becomes a reality. Glory be to God. Amen. You see, by touching the eunuch... All of a sudden, Philip's ministry was going to another level. You see, the angel gave Philip precise directions. You see, we need to come to a place of looking into our lives and say, what is it that God is doing? And what should I be paying attention to? Are you open to what God is doing? In the church, in the nation, and in your own life as an individual? You see, Philip was busy doing great works in Samaria. And somehow, to somebody who is outside of observing this thing, it was actually a destruction. It was like a, a, a by the way. And yet God was saying, we need to refocus our attention. Are you prepared for divine interruptions in your life? Hallelujah. As a church, are we ready for divine interruptions? When we know that this is what God is calling us to do, though for a season we've been doing things in a certain way. As a company leader, as a group leader, you've been managing your leader, your group in a certain way, but in a season the Lord will come and interrupt what you're doing. That's right. The question is, are you flexible to allow those divine interruptions to lead you to a place of productivity? As a family, the father is coming to you and saying, my son, I want you to change the way you're doing things at night. Maybe you've simply been sitting on the bed with your child and just praying a short prayer. And the Lord is saying, change your gift. Change the way you do things. I want you to do a devotion with your kids. I want you to ask them certain questions at night before they sleep. It's not comfortable because it takes longer. It takes more energy to try and speak to a young kid. Are you prepared to change? Because the father is saying there is a calling over your children. And the only way to ignite that calling, I want you to disciple your own kids. So in order to achieve this, we need to develop an ability to pick on what God is doing. Philip had to understand the directions because the directions were precise. The Bible says the angels say to him, you need to go towards south. And the angel said to him, the way that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. You see, Philip could have gone north. Had he gone north, he wasn't going to meet this man. You see, when God gives you certain specific directions, it will be for your own benefit to follow them, even though they don't make sense. Because Philip was seeing revival in Samaria, and now there was a relocation taking place. Now you see, what, what I find very interesting is that when the angel told Philip, 
about rising up and going, the angel did not tell him that at that location is a man of authority. No. Does it say that? The angel did not tell him, the reason why I want you to go south, it is because there is a man of authority who will open up doors for the word in Ethiopia. No. The angel simply said, arise and go to a specific direction. You see, he had to trust that God was up to something big, despite not knowing what was at the end of that target. You see, there are times where God speaks to us and we don't understand what he is doing. We need to trust him. You see, with every bit of obedience, we are ushered into a greater dimension of our calling. With every bit of obedience, we are ushered in a higher dimension of our calling. So the initial step of obedience was very important. Because when you look at verse 27, the Bible says, And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia. So it was in the process of him walking, You see, God might not give you the entire picture of your calling. He'll give you a snippet that allows you to make the first step. When you make this first move, then he opens up a whole new dimension. Have you been waiting to get clarity, to get details concerning what is going to happen in your life? You see, when God does that, then he ceases being God. Because we don't need him anymore. You see, the moment he paints the vision with so precision to a point where you don't need to pray to him for more direction, then we don't need God anymore. So he will give us just enough for us to know that there must be something about God here. And when you rise up in obedience, you'll be able to see the fullness of your calling. Hallelujah. So we can't afford to wait to know that there is an Ethiopian on South Street. We can't wait, we can't wait until we know that at the end of this business deal there are millions coming. We can't wait to know that in this child that I'm discipling there's a prophet and an evangelist in the making. Because it is when you walk with that child long enough that you start seeing this actually be calling over this child. (laughs) A certain young man walked through a village and there was an old man he saw sitting under a tree. And the young man said to this village king and says to this old man, how many kings were born in this village? And the old man says, none. Not one king was born except children who became kings. Not one king was born here except children who became kings. So we should not minimize our children because of where they're at. Because that would be the next Rene Bonke. It could be the, the next Pastor Paul. Yeah, that's right. Yes. So it was only after he had arrived at South Street that he realized that his mission had to do with a man of great influence. Glory be to God. Let's go to verse 29. Acts 8, 20, 29. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. So Philip ran over and had the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? You see, when Philip arrived in South Street, when you arrive to that place that you have understood God has called you to, 
You need further instruction. You see, when God has started talking into your life, He doesn't stop. The question is, how prepared are you to continue hearing Him? So the Bible says when Philip arrived in, in, in that street, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, you see, it's important for you to see a key here. The Spirit said, and Philip ran. The Spirit said, and Philip ran. Philip needed to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in order to move closer to his breakthrough. You need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. This is my second point. Work with the Holy Spirit in what God has called you to do. In order to be fruitful as a leader, you need to work with the Holy Spirit. You see, it is for the Holy Spirit to speak and it is for us to obey. You see, when the roles are reversed, the results are very, very devastating sometimes. The Spirit got to speak and Philip ran. His response was very key. You see, in your life this morning, who is doing the talking and who is doing the running? Because you see, sometimes we, we talk and we want the Holy Spirit to run for us. But if we are to achieve so many, so, so big results in our lives, we've got to keep the roles correctly. The Spirit got to keep on talking and we've got to keep on moving in line with what the Spirit is saying. You see, it is possible for us to concord our own vision and then we ask the Holy Spirit to run on our behalf. You see, the Bible says that which is born of God overcomes the world. That which comes from the Spirit is victorious. That which comes from God overcomes the, the, the issues you face. So Philip had and Philip obeyed. You see, what, working with the Holy Spirit was a key issue in the early church. The early church was driven by what the Spirit directed them to do. That is why they were able to bear so much fruit. That is why in a day, 3,000 would come to the Lord. That is why 5,000 would come to the Lord. Why? There was a Spirit, there was the Spirit of God working behind them. Look at this, Acts 16 verse 6. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit who? Who? The Holy Spirit, right? Because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. It was making sense for them to preach in Asia. It was okay for them to preach in Asia because they are preaching the word anyway. But the Spirit prevented them. The Spirit stopped them from preaching in Asia. What has the Spirit stopped you from doing that made sense to you? This guy looks very cool. This guy looks exciting. This guy looks, he's got a six pack, he's tall. This guy can talk. This guy is amazing. This guy would make a great dad for my kids. But the Spirit says no. And what are you going to do about it? This girl looks amazing. This girl is intellectual. And we connect at that level. She is not boring. But the Spirit says, no. What are you going to do? Hmm. Have you been there before? 
Have you been there before, child of God? This job looks exciting. This job has got pets. This job, I'm going to be traveling the continent. This job gives me this and that. And the father says, no. It's not for you. It's for somebody else. Paul could have said, uh-uh. We're going into Asia and preach the word. It's the word anyway. You see, you can be doing something good, but in the bad moment. Doing the right thing in the bad time. And the results are devastating. And then you say, but Lord, I was preaching your word. Say, but I never sent you to preach the word here. Uh, Verse 7. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. You see, there are times where we can actually misplace the voice of God and say it's the voice of the devil. You start binding the enemy, and yet the father say, ah, ah, that's the wrong target, it's me. Let's talk about this. Have you been there? You walk into a church, everything looks great, looks amazing, the presence of God is there, and you feel this is where I should belong, and God says, ah, ah, it's not here. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. The spirit of Jesus, not the spirit of the devil. The spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. May the Lord give us this heart where we are just prepared to follow like sheep. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once. Having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. So the mind of the father was focused on the Macedonians. The mind of the father was saying, if Paul would start preaching here, he might be so excited that he won't be prepared to go to Macedonia. So God speak to Paul in different ways. And the Bible says he realized that God wanted him to go preach the good news in Macedonia. Hallelujah. You see, collaborating with the Holy Spirit will save us a lot of heartaches, disappointments, and time wasted. Moses and children, one day when we meet them in heaven, those who will be there, will be able to ask them how it felt. Moses was not able to get into the promised land because he did not listen to the Holy Spirit. He did not listen to God when God said to him, speak to the rock. But Moses disobeyed. And God says here in Numbers verse chapter 20, verse 12, and God says to Moses, because you did not believe in me to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, you are not going to go into the land of Israel with the Jewish people. So when we fail to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, it might result in disqualification in certain areas of our lives until we have qualified by listening to the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. I'm going to move on to the next point. So this point here was you need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit because he's the one who knows what needs to be done. So the Spirit of God told Philip, I want you to run closer to this chariot. And Philip had to obey. Now it's verse 30 of Acts chapter 8. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. 
Philip asked, Do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, How can I, unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. You see, it was only after Philip got closer to the chariot that he understood what he was dealing with. All along he could see there's a man here who is on a chariot and is on a journey from somewhere going somewhere. It was only when he got closer to the chariot that he realized the real need. Now in order for you to move to your next level of fruitfulness, you need to get closer to the situation. Hallelujah. As a leader, you need to get closer to the need because proximity gives perspective. You see, our problem is we've been doing the alien thing where we go into a community and we come out, out of that community. We don't understand how the community functions and we prescribe the wrong medication. You see, when you try to deal with issues by the remote control, you usually give the wrong prescriptions. You are far away from the issues. You are far away from the person you are discipling. You don't understand what they are going through and you are giving them instructions. You see, the closer you are to the issues, the more relevant your solutions become. Now I want you to understand that salt is a great thing and the Bible talks about salt. It says we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. But do you know that the salt is good for nothing as long as it remains in the salt shaker? Do you hear me this morning? The salt is good for nothing as long as it is bottled up and the bottle is closed. Because the salt will only become relevant when it is on the meat where it's needed. When it's on the wound where it's needed. So this morning I want to ask you a question. How close are you to what God has called you to deal with? Hallelujah. You see, I don't know how fast this chariot was going at. But the Bible says he went and he started walking beside or running by the chariot. Do you know that for you to be closer to the situations, there are certain privileges that you need to give up? As long as you are concerned about your rights, you might not be able to smell like the sheep. Because to smell like the sheep, you need to sleep with the sheep in the veil. To smell like the sheep, you have to wait upon the sheep when the sheep is drinking the water. You see, to understand what young people go through, you've got to allow them to come into your house and break your DVD player. You've got to allow them to come. You've got to allow them to mess up your lunch. It's okay as long as they are growing in the Lord. How much prepared are you to get your car dirty by carrying unbelievers coming bringing them to church? There are people who love their cars so much that any spot of dirt in their car makes them uncomfortable. And because of that, they won't give you a lift. So, Philip had to, long, to run long enough alongside this chariot for him to overhear what this man was reading. He had to be close enough to the chariot to hear that this man was busy trying to explore Jesus. Now, this man seated in his chariot as a man of authority, I think nowadays it might be an E-class 320 or something like that. It must have been an expensive chariot because of his status in his community. Now he sees this man running beside him. And I believe he glanced at him a couple of times. He's trying to hijack me. 
Why is he trying to do? I don't understand this dude. Why is he running beside me? Because we don't hear that Philip was talking before then. Until he overheard what this man was saying. Now it was after this eunuch saw that this man was really interested in him that he said, come on board. You see, for you to be invited into the inner part of people, they've got to know that you are interested in them for reality, for real. Are you really interested in me? Do you know my issues? Do you want to hear them? Because I've seen folk like you before and they ran away from me. That's the issue of trust. So this eunuch saw that Philip was serious about connecting with him because Philip kept on running beside him. And then he kept on reading. And then Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? And then the man says, now I know you are interested in me. Come on board. How close are you to the situations in your life? You see, the Ethiopian had to see that Philip was genuinely interested in his life before he could open up a space for him. You see, being invited into the chariot did not guarantee a positive outcome anyway. It was the beginning. So if we are to be invited into people's spaces, we've got to show our interest long enough. Before we start demanding people to do stuff, let's show them that we love them. Because when they see that you have given them your heart, they can give you their hand in their pocket, they can give you their time. Glory be to God. So this morning, my question is, how close are you to the situation that God has called you to deal with? It reminds me of God himself. Because the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Son Jesus came as a man. Son Jesus died the death of a, of a sinner. Why? In order to close the gap. For you and I to see how much he loves me. He was prepared to die for me even before I accepted him. It becomes easy for the church to love God because we have seen how much love he has given us. You see, God could have just stood there in heaven and said, I'm going to send some angels to redeem these guys back to me. No. But he came down in the form of a man who was born in a manger, who was the son of a carpenter, who walked the earth, who was ridiculed, who was rejected, so that you and I can readily come before him. That is why the Bible says we don't have a high priest who does not feel. This high priest feels our infirmities. He feels when we cry before him. Why? He went through what we're going through, yet without sin. Glory be to God. So how close are you to the need? You see, being close to the situation doesn't directly give you a positive outcome. It was not obvious that Philip was going to be successful in his mission to to preach Christ to this man. You see, it is very important that when God has called you to a situation, you get closer to the situation. You need the wisdom from on high to know how to maneuver the situation so that Christ can be clearly seen. You see, Philip had to sustain this conversation with the eunuch. And the way he did that, it was by by building a common ground with the eunuch. The Bible says here in, in verse 32, The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dump, a lamb dump before his shearer. So opened he not his mouth. 
In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Hallelujah. For you to move to a next level of fruitfulness, you need to develop a deeper connection by creating a common ground. You see, Christians have been seen and described as phony people. Christians have been seen as people who are detached from reality. Christians have been seen as people who don't understand what the world is going through. You see, if we are to win this battle, we've got to be like Jesus who came and identified himself with us. You see, when you go to a situation before you prescribe your medication, the people need to understand that you can identify with what they're going through. You see, Philip could have just told this man, you know, this is a complicated scripture. Let me show you something simple. He did not do that. The Bible says Philip began at the scripture where the eunuch was reading and he preached Christ to him. You see, your message is received better when people see that you can connect with where they're at. You see, it is a process. It is a process for you to come to a place where your people in your workplace can start accepting Jesus as he is. You see, sometimes we are so discouraged because on the onset, we want people to change immediately. We want people to be converted the moment they hear the word for the first time. Do you know that sometimes people will hear the word and the word remains dormant in their hearts, but the moment they start seeing you living out the word, then they start believing what they had before. Glory be to God. Our problem is that people hear the word, but when they look at at our lives, they cannot reconcile between the word and the way we live. Gandhi said, I love Christians. I I love Christ. But I don't like the way Christians live. He didn't have a problem with Christ, but he had a problem by the way those people who claimed to be Christians, by the way they lived. Could it be that we've become an enemy to the cross by the way we live? Do you know that you can come to a place where it becomes difficult after a while to say, I'm actually a Christian? Have you been there before? You've been a neighbor. I know you you guys don't do that. But here's a Christian neighbor, right? And he plays loud music every single night. They don't stop until it's 11.30. And then after a while, you want to go to your neighbor and say, I'm a believer. God loves you. He'll say, hi. Every night we fail to sleep because of you Christians. I don't want to be like that. It's very key. You know, as I grow in the Lord, I've become very sensitive by the way I behave, especially in queues. You are in shop, right? You're about to buy your groceries, and the queue is just long. And you start seeing there are people who react differently. There are those who are modest, and there are those who are really aggressive because they're always behind time. And sometimes I feel like that because I've got programs to to pursue. And this tailor doesn't seem to understand that. If you're not careful, you can really operate in the flesh 
And the next thing you come to church, you preach, and the guy who was behind you walked through the door. You're like, ha. Ah, this one is a pastor. <laughs> the Bible says we are the salt of the earth in the light of the world. It is very important for us to, bridge, to create bridges so that when we present Christ, people have no reason. Because the Bible says, let not the world have a reason to look at your faith as something that is not worth it. Because of the way we live, I'm paraphrasing here. So how have you been living? I'm not saying being a, be a hypocrite. Yes, there are times where really people are mistreating you. And you have to be assertive in the way you approach the situation. But remember, you don't just represent yourself. You represent the kingdom of God. Glory be to God. The ultimate goal for Philip was for the eunuch to accept Jesus. But he was prepared to delay that point by to build a bridge that will allow him to get to the place where the eunuch said, if that's the case, I believe baptize me. It was easy for the eunuch to come to a place where like, that makes sense. Now I understand why you are prepared to run aside me for a long time. I want this Jesus. If that is the case, here is water, Philip. Why can't I be baptized? The eunuch was baptized. The Bible says after Philip had finished baptizing him, the Spirit of the Lord took him and transported him somewhere else. Wouldn't that be beautiful for that to happen to us today? <laughs> but God is a good God. Philip had finished his mission. Philip had fulfilled what God had called him to do. And there was no need for him to continue being there. And the Lord moved him to his next destination. Glory be to God. This morning, how fruitful are you as a leader? Shall we stand on our feet? Hallelujah. Did we get something this morning? God is good. All the time. All the time. Father, I thank you this morning for your faithfulness. I thank you for your children. I thank you, Lord, for those who want to bear much fruit. I pray that by your grace you would lead them. You would guide them, Father. You would cause them to understand how they should bear fruit, Lord. In the name of Jesus, those who want to bear much more fruit, we pray for a grace over their lives. That in their lives as mothers, as fathers, as managers, Lord, I ask this morning that there will be fruit-bearing people, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we bless you and we honor you this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. If you received, if you received from heaven, just begin to clap to Jesus, please.